Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the Good UK. evening, Rush Nation. How are we all doing? It is the DFS show. Your man Nick, my man Mark. Wow, wrong side. There we go. <laughs> Gonna have to work on that one, Mark. How are we doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Sorry, I was a bit distracted there, getting all the socials out there and stuff, so people know we're here. Yeah, um, week one is in the books. We will, of course, be talking about the fan team season-long contest again. How did week one go for you, Mark? Pretty well. I'm in the money, like a lot of us are. Uh, my um... All right, all right. <laughs> my team is 183rd, my pod team moment with 158 points so yeah not bad i've got three teams in the money at the moment plenty of work to do though still with them still plenty of work to do i mean one thing we learned this week is how little we knew before the season started it's all the things we thought would happen they didn't yeah and i think it what is worth remembering mark is it it's still it's it's week one We've got to remember that. You've got to almost rein yourself in a little bit. We said this on previous pods. If someone doesn't perform in week one, don't panic too much. Um, He says that before we discuss our transfers a little bit later on in the pod. Um, But there's there's things that will have happened this week that, you know, 
certain things moving forward, you'd expect certain players will perform on weeks where maybe they didn't and you were expecting that they would. Um, I can't get my head around what Jacksonville are thinking. Um, 14 mil for James Robinson seemed foolproof. That seemed a bargain. It seemed like I had uh, a running back one for a fraction of the price and I'm stirring down the barrel of a gun mark where he's he's potentially not actually going to be in my lineup again this week because I did not like what I saw at all from Jacksonville. And in all honesty, I don't like some of the matchups going forward either there. Um, we'll get more into it as, as we go through our teams. But yeah, I think it's key not to panic too much because this is the NFL some weeks guys that you own in fantasy don't perform some weeks they do um you know you, you can be that unlucky person that owns Raheem Mostert and someone else will own Mitchell and you'll think where has that come from this is the kind of thing that happens in NFL fantasy and you know just just be patient I would say you, you don't want to fall too far behind the pack but again think about why you've picked a team look at the schedule, look at potential transfers you might want to make in weeks to come even. Um, but yeah, action pack show coming. So we will be reviewing our week one scores, our week one performances for our pod teams that we revealed to you last week. We will also be looking ahead to week two. Any changes on the horizon for us both in those teams? And we can still let register for the contest, can't we, Mark? Yeah, we can indeed. It's um, if you register now before Thursday for the Thursday night game, you start with 124 points. So definitely not too far behind, and you could you could definitely catch up. I think the great thing about starting in game week two is you've seen the ownership for game week one. Yeah. That allows you to see things like um, like Swift was like zero percent owned, for example things like that etc so yeah it's um i think it's it's definitely worth worth doing it i think mm. it's it may in some respects it may well be better for beginners to start in game week two because they can they've seen some scores already yeah so they're not yeah and um, just just go just go sort of reiterate a little bit of what you're saying you know players like aaron Rodgers and Devontae adams and Derek henry they're not bad fantasy players after one week that's for sure you know, yeah. Calvin Ridley is not a bad fantasy player. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just think, don't, yeah, you're absolutely right. Don't try and just change your whole team completely. I think, yeah, see, give it a couple more weeks, see how they are, and then, then sort of review it again. But yeah, these players will come back. I mean, Green Bay, I expect to have a very good week this week, but, um, you know, because they're at the Lions. And um, yeah, I don't think they're saying they're not bad players. These ones who didn't perform this week as we expected. Yeah, I think, and it'll we'll, we'll discuss it a bit more, Mark, as we do get to the transfers segment. But I think if you're going to make transfers, a couple of the ones that I have in mind, uh, potential transfers I might make, I've still not fully made my mind up just yet, but any transfer I would make at this point would be for something I have... Seeing, for example, the Jacksonville game against the Texans, um, we were all expecting James Robinson to be an RB1, certainly in week one against the lowly Texans. And they they, they 
they played them off the park and James Robinson was scarcely involved and it doesn't really get much easier for Jacksonville moving forward either. And I think a lot of us, me certainly, got hung up on the fact that Travis Etienne picked up the injury. It paved the way for James Robinson. Actually, was Travis Etienne drafted because there wasn't a massive role for James Robinson in the offense going forward? Are Jacksonville not going to be running that, the ball that much? It seems they're going to be playing from behind most weeks, which I think we knew anyway, in all fairness. But a, a transfer like that is probably where I would go because of what I've seen. Um, you know, you might not want to risk that happening for a second week in a row, and I can't blame you, but some of the players you mentioned, Mark, Calvin Ridley's, Derek Henry's, these are, these are fantasy players, proven fantasy players and players that you would expect come the end of the season, they're going to be well up there on the scoring charts. So I think there's certain players you can absolutely be patient with because that is the nature of fantasy. And I think there's certain players where they fall into that risk category that there is a, there's a high reward, but it's a big risk if it doesn't come off. And if that, if you don't get the high reward, you're getting quite a low floor from that risk as well, which is essentially what's happened this week with James Robinson. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I, should, I probably should have said I meant the premium players here, where your top your top players I wouldn't be too concerned about right now. The Robinson thing is so it's such a surprise. It kind of you're not making think make 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 you think that basically the plan was um, Travis Etienne. And nobody else. Yeah. And um, but I mean, on the plus side with that that team, I actually thought Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good for his debut. I thought out of all of the um, rookie quarterbacks, he kind of looked to me like the most like an NFL quarterback for want of a better phrase. I know he threw three picks, but you know what for fantasy purposes, awful. yeah. Well, yeah, but um, for fantasy, yeah, Peyton Manning had a fair few his first season as well. <laughs> Um, but for fantasy purposes, you know, interceptions aren't the end of the world because they only cost you a point. Yeah, in this format, yeah, it's and that's worth remembering. Um, before we do move on to our week one review, Mark, I think it's important just to remind the listeners that support for all Five Yard Rush podcasts is brought to you by Manscaped. Um, Manscaped are the best out there in men's below-the-waist grooming. They offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. Um, superb, Mark. We spoke about it in the past. If you're someone that does like to keep that area nice and trim, this is the tool for you. Uh, do not risk anything. Don't neglect the area. Get yourself over to Manscaped. We've got a fantastic offer on. Um, using the code five yard at manscaped.com, you will get 20% off and free worldwide shipping. That is code five yard at manscaped.com. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You still have the t shirt on, Mark, so you clearly trust Manscaped. Well, I, I definitely trust the T-shirt on the pod. <laughs> it's superb. 
It is superb. Get yourself over to Manscaped. It's a great tool. And as I said, you don't want to be neglecting that area of all areas on the male body. Moving on then to our week one lineups, Mark. How did we do? I want to have a look at yours first, Mark. I want to see yours. Let's have a look at this one then. Okay. So, I've got this so I can see it as well. There we go. The, um, where am I? There we go. That's the one I want. So, yeah. So, my top scorer was um, a Kyler Murray, which isn't a massive surprise. He actually made the dream team as well. Um, you'll, for those who don't know, if you look, you can actually click a button. I think it's on the leaderboard. It shows you the dream team each week or for whatever contest you're on fan team. It shows you the highest scoring team you could have built. In my line, I've got two players from that. I've got Joe Mixon at 3% was fantastic value. I think you, oh, yeah. we talked about this last week. I actually took Eckler out and put Mixon in just for um, because of that matchup, and that paid off well. The um, There's no real great surprises here, except Calvin really did disappoint. Um, Cooper Cup, we expected to do well, didn't we? It was with uh, Matt Stafford. I think the two gamble plays were obviously Tyler Conklin and Kez Watkins. I was quite happy with Conklin. He was... Um, he was on the pit, on the field for like 71% of the snaps. At the Minnesota, though, I was kind of expecting him to get sort of be like the third receiver option. But as it turned out to be um, KJ Osborne, who we'll probably talk about a little bit later. And Kez Watkins had, um, he was on for 48% of the snaps. Uh, he's clearly like the fifth, fifth option in that offense, do you reckon? Fifth? I think he would be. Um, so, yeah. But five point three at the value, the way he offers me, um, he offers me the opportunity to pay up for the other players. I'm going to keep. I'm going to. Um, I'm probably going to keep them both this week, to be perfectly honest, because yeah, I'm quite happy with how, how that looks. Yeah, I think I've got the wrong one on the screen, haven't I? Well, I was just going to say, Matt, you're skipping ahead to the game week two lineups there with what's on the screen. <laughs> um, I don't believe it. After, this is the first live show and these sort of things happen. We did have any of this last week when we pre-recorded. You're talking through it, Mark, and I'm looking and I'm thinking, wow, Mark has changed his team. He's gone against everything that he said. He's got Darren Waller in there at, at tight end. Um, Christian McCaffrey seems to have dropped by the wayside. So that's what I was seeing. That was the game week two lineup there. Oh, okay. We'll come to that shortly. I won't um, get it back on the screen then because we've talked about it. <laughs> My week one lineup. Um, okay, that's um, yeah, it's technical difficulties, clearly. The slightly more prepared of the two of us has got a nice <laughs> tangly lineup with all the points there for you to see. So um, I'm really pleased with my week one as well, Mark. Um, Kyler Murray, top scoring quarterback on the week. I think we expected good things from Kyler Murray, but I don't know if we expected week one top scoring quarterback against a Tennessee Titans team that going into the season, we probably assume that, you know, they're, they're going to be a playoff team again. Um, but he looked absolutely electric. He was slinging the ball. He was running the ball. He looked in sync with his receivers. And there looked like there was some surprises as well that, some receivers that maybe I hadn't considered because I thought they were they weren't a thing really in the Arizona offense. Like so Christian Kirk was relatively cheap, um, and he, he was involved in a couple of scores. So yeah, it's um, I think 
Kyler Murray definitely won't be moving out of my team anytime soon. Reasonably happy with with Diggs and Hopkins. Probably a little bit disappointed with Diggs, if I'm being honest, but I think I was quite disappointed with Buffalo in general. Um, they just didn't look at the races, and I suppose you can attribute that to the Pittsburgh defence because the Pittsburgh offence wasn't fantastic in itself. Um, Marquez Callaway, I don't know what happened there. I mean, it... I think Winston only threw for was it 140 yards, um, five five touchdowns. Um, I mean, Callaway. I think he was targeted twice, three times at most. Um, hauled two of them in. I'm really concerned about Callaway in my lineup, if I'm being honest. But at 12 million, I think if I move off him at this stage. I'm taking a chance moving on to someone at a similar price. Um, And what I mean by that is I think he has an opportunity to bounce back this week and score better than that. That's what I'm hoping anyway. Um, But I think if I move off him, who who am I moving on to at that kind of bracket? Do I move on to a Rondale Moore? Um, do I move on to um, an Amon Ross St. Brown? You know, th- there's obviously there is options there. Do I move on to a tight end? I've, that would go against everything that I've said up to this point in the twin tight ends. Um, you know, Zach Pascal's there at 10 million. Um, was that an outlier week for Zach Pascal? I know that they've not got much at receiver with T.Y. Hilton being out, but I think it's the problem with Callaway is at 12 million. I think if you move off him, you're moving on to another question mark and it's, it's week one and it's worth remembering that. But yeah, I am disappointed in week one. Quez Watkins comes in with a 5.3. I can't really ask for much more than that. He's, he's 7 million. He had a a few targets, a couple of receptions. I wasn't expecting groundbreaking from him. I hope he's more involved in the offense going forward. Um, But like you said, Mark, he's, he's, Behind the two tight ends, you're looking at fifth option in the offense. He's someone, in hindsight, that I probably wouldn't have kept in my team had I known how much Baltimore were going to use Williams this week. Um, I wish that's the route I'd have gone down now, looking back. And there's two of my lineups that I did go down that route and there's two of my lineups that had Watkins. I told you this, Mark, offline last week, that two of my lineups had Watkins as an enabler. Two of them had Williams as an, an enabler. Um, there was justification for Watkins in this lineup because I felt that the I was fairly strong at running back and I have a running quarterback, so I thought we'll go receiver. Um, but yeah, it's... That that is one of those where I'm going to have to have a little think about it because if Williams is is involved again, ten fifteen touches in Baltimore's offense this weekend, then I'd strongly consider using a transfer, even though it's only going to free up one million. Um, I I can use it elsewhere. Um, so yeah, well, I'm Watkins on the bubble, but I'm not too disappointed week one because I wasn't really expecting much from him anyway. Uh, Darren Waller, I mean, wow. Um, Darren Waller came as advertised. 
Um, I, I watched the game this morning, Mark. I don't know if you've seen the game, but he, he, he 10 receptions, the most targeted player on his team by far. There's still nothing in that Oakland offense that makes me think that's going to change going forward. Um, you know, Ruggs, Edwards had a, a, a few receptions here and the Hunter Renfro, but it seemed like every time Derek Carr dropped back, he was looking for Darren Waller. He's essentially the wide receiver one there. We knew that going into this week. Um, absolutely buzzing that that came off for me and he's, he's repaid me at 26.5 points. I'll take that every week, every week. I'm not expecting a score from him every week and I'm not expecting these numbers because at the end of the day, he is a tight end. But he is wide receiver one in Auckland. So I'm I'm really pleased with that. Did that shock you, Mark, the, the Darren Waller? Or... Uh, so I think it was 19 targets, I think I saw in the end. Um, I also wonder, like you say, about being a bit of an outlier. I also saw another stat, and I can't remember if it was at the end of the first half or the first quarter, but he'd only initially, whilst the, um, the Baltimore um, defence were fairly fit and healthy, they kept it down to one one catch for quite a long time. And then they kind of got gassed because their offence couldn't stay on the field. And I'm just wondering if they come up against, not to say, well, say a tougher matchup because Baltimore's a top team, but if I think a lot about that game from what I've, from what I've read sort of helped Waller. But like you say, Nobody else had really taken over has taken over the mantle of wide receiver one there. So, you know, I have to put my hand up and say, look, maybe he's going to be better than I thought. I, I, To be honest with you, I did say my one criticism was, was I think he's a bit streaky and a bit boom or bust, which, you know, isn't so important in a format like this. I think, um, yeah, I think so. Just don't go, going, going back quickly about Callaway. I would say that in you know sort of regular weekly DFS, I think he might be a fantastic play this week because um, last week he was, you know, they've got a decent secretary um, secondary Green Bay and they've got one of the best cornerbacks in the game, and I think the ownership will be right down on him. So just just one of those really good plays, I think, for next this week. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily put him a season long because I don't know, I don't know you say. Don't know about inconsistency, but equally around there, who else are you going to pick? I mean, you know, I've already the cat's slightly out of the bag on my game week two lineup. But I think there are other options around that price, but um, but you're not going to um, you're going to save masses of money by doing so. Yeah, and I think the fact that he has had a bit of a a poor week one, I think if if you're like you said, Mark, if you were playing a weekly DFS here, he'd be a prime kind of target where he's probably going to be lower on. So in week two, he becomes um, he becomes a bit of like a contrarian kind of play to what other people w- would go with. Um, and I think that's another reason I'm just going to give him another week in the lineup. If I get another week like the first week, he'll be gone in week three. But an underperforming week, I think, in the NFL always leads nicely into a week where you're expecting a bit of a bounce back. Fingers crossed that is the case. Um, like you said, despite the result, it's a tougher it's a tougher defense than what they're potentially coming up against this week in Carolina. Um, Carolina looked pretty good against the Jets, but they didn't have it all their own way in that game. Um, 
I would suspect Winston might be a little bit more confident in in uh, in the ball out as well this week. So we'll see on that. Uh, the running backs, you know, McCaffrey McCaffrey does what McCaffrey does. Um, n- you know, not much needs saying there. James Robinson, I'm so disappointed with. I, not even James Robinson, as a matter of fact, I'm so disappointed with Jacksonville. Um, that said, Mark, if I was if I was choosing this lineup again in week one, not knowing what we know now, I still wouldn't have picked anyone different. I don't think going into week one, um, certainly not at running back, because when I look at the other running backs of a similar price who scored well, um, you know the likes of Jamal Williams, DeAndre Swift's there, so I don't think we expected twenty-five points from Jamal Williams. That is a bit of an outlier, I think. Uh, Melvin Gordon, again, Javonta Williams is there in the backfield. Were we expecting 20.8 points from Melvin Gordon? We know he's got got that in his locker. There was a big touchdown run. Um, you know, th- when you look at Tyson Williams, I think at six mil, you know, I certainly wouldn't have had him as my running back two. I'd have wanted someone else in in a trio of running backs there if I was going to put him in, which I've done in some of my other teams. Um, you know, Kareem Hunt, 14.5. Kareem Hunt is Kareem Hunt. He's he's gonna get work out of the backfield. He's he gets work in the passing game. It, it's a it's a good play really for the price, but you just can't guarantee consistency from him. Um uh, and then you know you've got Elijah Mitchell there as well at eight mil. But we assume Raheem Moster is gonna be fit and healthy. Um, we didn't expect Trey Sermon to not suit up for that game, healthy scratch. So I still wouldn't change the way that I did that in the process. I still wouldn't have picked anyone different at running back, I don't think. Knowing what I know now, obviously I would have moved off him. But going into week one against Houston, it's just such a disappointing waste that he's only finished with 8.4. And I'm putting that solely on the Jacksonville coaching staff. You're, um, if you look at the sort of running backs of 40 million and below and who scored and you, you look at the sort of the top point scorers, I can't think there's anybody, maybe um, Naheem Hines, who scored 14.2, but everybody above him, you didn't, nobody expected Mark Ingram to have 29 carries or whatever. You've already mentioned like Elijah Mitchell, yeah, the Williams and Gord, you know, Melvin Gordon got most of his points on one run. Um, I don't think there's anybody there you would think to yourself, in hindsight, you could beat yourself up about, to be perfectly honest. I think, say, Naheem Hines has been one of my favourites in best ball and stuff, so potentially I could have gone for him, and he does look like he's got a pretty good role in that offence. Uh, I'm just not sure how good that offence actually is. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I just... There are clearly issues with having James Robinson, I think. And 36% of people are going to probably be questioning that, thinking about it. However, the nature of the NFL, for all we know, because of how that result went, they could become very run-heavy this week. And, you know, he's the lead back for it or something. But what's a bit worrying is Carlos Hyde actually got more carries, didn't he? Mm. It wasn't even like, you know, one was, you know, Robinson was on the ground and Carlos Hyde was through the air. He actually got more carries. Yeah. What concerns me going into week two is they are coming up against Denver and 
Denver did a pretty good job of completely shutting down any rushing offense that New York could throw at them, practically forcing New York to wear the ball out. So, um, yeah, I'd, I just don't like it going into week two. From what I've seen, it just feels like the expectation is going to be put on Trevor Lawrence's shoulders. And like you said, there's not even, I can't even hold on to the fact that James Robinson was the, the lead back, but just didn't perform in that week. He wasn't the lead back. Um, certainly not in the carries anyway. So it won't come as a surprise that one of my potential plans this week is to just completely move off James Robinson. Um, yeah, RIP on that experiment. The last thing, Mark, is around the defense. What do I mean? What can you say? Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at when you look at all the defenses, the highest score was sixteen. Um, of, of the top five, um, two of those teams in the top five scored ten. So there's there's not much between the Minnesota Vikings scoring five and the likes of San Francisco and Philadelphia scoring 10, who, you know, Philadelphia practically kept Atlanta almost scoreless. So, you know, I think it just shows that in this format, you're not going to get a big score from defense special teams unless they're, they're completely going off for one week and taking balls to the house um, you know, several interceptions, several sacks. The only thing I would maybe look at moving forward is if I did want to really free up that point five, if it was make or break in a transfer that I wanted to bring into my team. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders defense looked pretty good last night against a very good team in Baltimore. Um, you know, they, they, they closed Lamar Jackson down mainly. I, I, I felt he was quite ineffective at times. They didn't even seem like they were blitzing much or providing much pressure, um, but they, they were still getting to Jackson. So that would be something that I would maybe look at moving forward is if I needed that extra 0.5, as much as I don't want to burn a transfer on a defense, if I needed the extra 0.5, it's there to move off Minnesota onto a Las Vegas or a, a New York Jets. I mean, you, I had Houston last week. They got seven points. I know it was against... The Jags, but it just goes to show how hard defenses are to call. Yeah, I mean the Patriots a couple of years ago had a fantastic defense who did fantastically well in fantasy, but other than that, it's just completely random. And as we've said, and all the different formats of DFS we ever talk about is never, never pick a defense that stops you picking a player you want at another position. Yeah, yeah. You did have your week two buy-in lineup up, Mark. Um, a little bit prematurely. Do I need, do I need to get it up again? <laughs> well, I think you know. I want to see it again. Okay, fine. Let's have a look. There you go. That's what. That's the one. Let's see. How's that one? Is that the right lineup this time? Yeah, that's better. Okay, so you already alluded this to this. So, um. I've slightly changed my philosophy on this. I was listening to uh, some other pods and I, there was a very valid point made that about ceilings, ceiling games. So when we talk about ceiling game, we're talking about like, you know, um, a really high scoring game for a player and that people pick their DFS teams like they used to pick their fantasy teams 
as in try and get as much safe carries at the running back position. But actually, running backs only get their ceiling games if they score touchdowns, is what the point they're making. Whereas receivers can get ceiling games of similar points, 30 points. Without doing that, they can just do that purely on receptions and yardage. And so thinking about that, I'd, this lineup, I've, you know, I've really, it's not I haven't spent money at running back, but I'm not playing any of the really expensive running backs in this lineup. So I've got Mixon and Swift. Now, Swift isn't really just a reaction to the other day because he, has a, he was actually on the field for 63 snaps, which is 68%. And this is him coming off a week where he's a low, where it was he was in doubt, wasn't he? I think coming into the game, if he was even going to play because of his fitness. So I think he's. Um, I think Detroit are going to be um, chasing. Obviously, we all expect that. But he got. I think it was eight receptions. I think both him and Jamal Williams got eight receptions. But Jamal Williams was only on the field for like a third of the snaps. So I feel his was more of an outlier. So yeah, Swift and Mixon are pretty good. Kyler, uh, Kyler Murray, we all know why he's good. <laughs> We've already talked about him. There's no brainer. Hopkins and Tyreek Hill are pretty self-explanatory. Um, Tim Patrick and Zach Pascal. Again, Tim Patrick is a really a reaction to the Jerry Judy injury as much as anything. So even even on um, on Sunday, he still played um, 70% of the snaps, Tim Patrick. But now Jerry Judy's injured. I'm thinking that maybe he'll benefit a bit more than KJ Hamler. I mean, no offense, another option who may well benefit as well from that. Zach Pascal was on the field for like 91% of snaps. So although his two touchdowns aren't sustainable, he's going to, he's you know, you, you can't score fantasy points if you're not on the field. So any wide receiver at 10 million, he's on for 91% of the snaps, I think is a pretty good option. And then finally, I swallowed my pride and picked Darren Waller because... <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> Week two buy-in, and Merck has picked Darren Waller. Yes. I even had TJ Hawkinson in there, first of all, but then I had the money to, to at the end of it to sort of move up to Waller. And um, if he's going to be another wide receiver one, you know, then then that's fine. So I think sort of there's less of what, I, what we called last week our premium players there. There's probably only two, maybe three, if you include Hopkins. But actually... I think for a game week two line, I'm pretty happy with that. Again, I've gone for the cheapest defense. It's Houston. It could be the Raiders. Could be whoever. Um, so yeah, that was my game week two option. Completely different to my others. I like it, Mark, and um, mm. I, I like what you said about the running backs because when, well, just shortly before the pod had started, when I was looking down the list at the wide receivers that had scored versus the list of running backs that have scored on page one, the lowest running back was Chase Edmonds at 14.6 for week one. Pretty good score for um, a running back that's priced at 15. Not amazing, but it, you know, not a bad score. Um, when you look down the list at the wide receivers, the lowest on page one was Marquis Hollywood Brown at 19.4. And, Marquise Brown is in an offense where they don't they don't throw the ball that much. Um, granted, he had six receptions in the game and he had a touchdown, but um, I think it, it just it just goes to show that when you actually look, you've got to get up to Dalvin Cook on the running backs list. 
Um, and down to Cook, there is only one, two, three, four, five, six. Dalvin Cook is the seventh highest scoring running back this week. And that's the, the first running back to break 20. Um, you can go all the way down the list to Zach Pascal, Jamar Chase, right at the bottom of page one's wide receiver list. So I, if I was building a team again, I would probably be inclined to go down a similar kind of route, maybe, um, depending on how I was constructing my lineup. I do think, I do think McCaffrey still has a place, which he's still he's in my lineup still. Um, I still think he'll be one of the top fantasy scoring players in this format over the course of a season. Um, but I absolutely love the the two there's still two running back ones but just reducing the cost a little bit there to then reinvest it back into the receiver core as it were and you've got Darren Waller there as well Tyreek Hill and Hopkins speak for themselves I think um someone like so the point about Chris McCaffrey is he has the highest ceiling of any player I think in fantasy NFL and they have you know, Alvin Kamara had a six-touchdown game last year. You know, we've seen McCaffrey averaging 35 points over a whole season and stuff. So they can. Um, they have that potential for that that really big ceiling. But I just think we're talking about consistency almost here across a whole season and stuff. And I think that, um, yeah, I just, I just, I'm, I'm just happier to pay up a wide receiver. It's kind of, I think if I if that sort of penny had dropped and I'd heard that on a pod before we started the season, I might have constructed my pod team slightly differently. Yeah. Yeah. But that's the beauty of this. Mm. Getting um, the, the good thing, like we said earlier in the pod about the week two buy-in is you have got that information in week two. You've not got it in week one, or you've certainly not got as much information. And I think if you were to enter this in week two and look at the scoring, because you can see that the wide receivers, even just on page one of Fantine when I looked then, because you can see that the wide receivers have scored generally better across the board than the running backs, you'd be more inclined to then build a roster that gives you that potential to score from the wide receiver position. Um, I mean, and you had two of them uh, with Hopkins and Hill, who two of the, the best scoring wide receivers that you could pick anyway. So no, I really like that. Um, and you still had high upside, I think, in, in the running backs that you picked. Um, I've gone a slightly, slightly different tact, Mark, with mine. Um, not massively different, but we'll see what you think of this. So I've gone with Kyler Murray at quarterback. No change there. I, I think he, he'll be one of the, the top two scoring quarterbacks over the season. I kept McCaffrey in because, like you said, I think of any of the fantasy players, he does have the highest ceiling. He was the highest scoring running back last week. Even though he is expensive, I do still like that flexibility there that if I was starting this in week two, if I've got the most expensive running back and one of the most expensive players in the game, I can move to anyone. Um, I've then included Mixon for much the similar kind of reasons to you, Mark. What I was surprised about in week one with Joe Mixon was um, it's Cincinnati, though they, though they did lead in that game, almost throwing it away, um, 
I was surprised at the amount of carries that Joe Mixon got, given it's his first competitive game back from injury from last season. Um, and we do know that that offense, it, it's so much better when he's involved in it. Um, so, yeah, I think Joe Mixon at 17, he, he, he's for me, he's got the, that potential there to be one of the top 10 scoring running backs over the season. Tyson Williams, I've included him because I do like having an enabler in there. Um, for me, if he's going to continue getting work like he did in week one, and he was effective with the work that he got as well in terms of his yards per carry, um, I have absolutely no concerns about including him in there at six mil because it just allows me to invest and spread the funds elsewhere in my team. Uh, for example, at receiver, I might have overlooked Antonio Brown a little bit. He had a great game. Um, he, he almost looked like he was he was back to the Antonio Brown that we know, maybe not quite as, as dominant, but he has aged a little bit since. But He's clearly one of Tom Brady's favourite targets. He's almost edging Mike Evans out of the the pecking order. Um, so it seems like, to me, it's Godwin, Brown, and then Evans. But you can almost slot Gronkowski in there as well. So, you know, I think if you're going to go for anyone in Tampa Bay, I think you've got to go with Godwin, Brown, or if you're going to go a little bit cheaper at tight end, you could maybe go Gronkowski because we know that that connection is there with Brady, though I wouldn't be inclined to go that way. Um, C.D. Lamb, I think, is going to have a big season. I feel like we almost forgot about Amari Cooper a little bit. Um, he, he had a, a top, top scoring week. Was it the top scoring wide receiver top, last week, Mark? I think he was. was. top scoring player, I think. So I, th- I think we did neglect Amari Cooper a little bit, but I'm still expecting C.D. Lamb to have a big season and there was a couple of balls that were thrown his way that on another week he catches them and he adds to his, his box score. So I think 16 mil, he will make a mockery of that price come the end of the year. Um, I've included Adam Thielen because it's still quite evident to me that I feel again, like Adam Thielen is someone that we've forgotten a little bit because there's so much hype around Justin Jefferson. Um, Adam Thielen, it's, still quite evident to me that when the Vikings get to the red zone, Adam Thielen seems to be the trusted target for Kirk Cousins. And he finishes the game with nine receptions. He he finishes the game with 92 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns. You only have to look back on previous seasons on Adam Thielen's touchdowns, that isn't really an outlier. He's obviously not going to get you two touchdowns every week, but he's a constant red zone threat. Um, His touchdown output's always high. And I think, again, at 16.5, he offers great value. He's going to finish the season with 1,000 receiving yards. He's going to finish the season probably with minimum seven or eight touchdowns. So he's going to be up there in the scoring again and I think at 16.5 great option um, especially if you want a bit of exposure to that Vikings offence but you can't maybe afford Justin Jefferson in there Darren Waller speaks for himself Um, I think he will be one of the top two or three scoring tight ends again this season and I think last night supported that from what we could see Um, similar with you Mark on the defence I've just gone with a cheap one at nine um, I, I did like what I saw from 
the Raiders D. So, yeah, I've included them in there for that reason. I think I really like the fact you've got Dallas and Tampa Bay exposure. That's really good. I think because there's some teams which are like they almost continued where they left off. And I think that if you think about um, when how Dallas were when Prescott was healthy last year, they were scoring so many points. Scoring yeah. so many fantasy points. And Tampa Bay have just, as the season went on, they just got better and better. We know what Arizona are. You've got some, um, got Minnesota there as well. So, yeah, I think that's really great. The only thing which you need which you need to work out is what you're doing about um, Tyson Williams if, like, Lev Bell or Devonta Freeman gets, becomes, you know, active. And how you're going to... Because that money, what is he? Is he 6.5 or something really cheap like that? Six. He's one of the six. cheapest in the game. He's six. Yeah, there's not going to... Yeah, I'm just trying to think what option. So that would be a, a two or three transfer job, I think, when you need to take him out. Um, yeah. So, but you never know. There might be some other, some other, um, what do you call, um, value, you know, come to light before that. I think that's one of the reasons why I do like having a McCaffrey in there because I think it's easy once you've got someone like McCaffrey, though he eats up 20 mil of your budget, McCaffrey quite easily becomes a 16 mil running back. Tyson Williams then quite easily becomes a 10 million wide receiver. So I think it's still having someone like a McCaffrey in there still gives you the flexibility to move off Williams if that's something that I wanted to do because like you said I'm wary of the fact that Lev Bell's there not up to speed I'm wary of the fact that Latavius Murray got some carries in that game as well um so yeah I mean he's in there as an enabler I like having an enabler in my team someone that's got upside I'm not expecting stellar scoring each week out of a a six mil running back but is he going to get touches hopefully if he keeps performing like he is absolutely there's only three other uh, players six million who scored any points and they're single figures so yeah that's um they like say you've got you've got you you'd have to you'll end up probably sacrificing McCaffrey I yeah. suspect when you have to move him but yeah. as we were just discussing with the running back position I don't think it's as as clear cut as it used to be sure so before we do move on, lastly, to our week two changes and strategy, Mark. Um, if you're loving the stream on Twitter, hit the heart button. If you are watching the stream on YouTube or watching back, hit the like button. We appreciate any comments, whether it's during the show, any questions. We've had a lot of interaction with the community on Twitter over the past week. If anyone does have any questions whilst we are on the show or after, if you're listening to this back on a pod or after we've actually been live, um, find us on Twitter. I'm at Nick of Wigan. The listeners can find you, Mark, at where? At underscore SMRF. Awesome. And we're looking forward to your comments again and your questions this coming week. And I've actually got a question of, from the fan team Discord, which we can um, look at later. Yep. We'll move on to our week two preview then Mark so is there any changes on the horizon for you in week two um no long and short is no so that is the short segment for you (laughs) so the obvious change so 
my two sort of what I'd call gambles or weak spots, which you've already mentioned, are Tyler Conklin and um, Quez Watkins. But it's really a much as it's really about. I don't see any other better options. So Juwan Johnson, the tight end of um, New Orleans, he was he's eight point five million and he scored seventeen point one points, which makes him easily the best value for money at that position. But he was only on the field for twelve snaps, of which two <laughs> were touchdowns. And that doesn't feel to me like it's sustainable. Whereas um, Conklin was on for like, he had 71% of the snaps. And he he did lose targets to KJ Osborne, who's actually a very cheap, I've actually got, I don't know what his price is at the moment, but I know he's a very cheap option oh, for Minnesota. Yeah, he is, he is dirt cheap. He oh. is... Um, He's six point five. Okay, so he's he is an option. He had seven catches, but so he's definitely an option going forwards before any price changes happen. But for this week, I'm just going to leave it as it is because I did quite well with the other parts of the team. So yeah, we will see. But yeah, I'm not going to change anything this week. No changes. Interesting. Obviously. We saw last week, Mark, that things can change quite rapidly. So actually, when we were doing these team reveals last week, I had Gus Edwards in my team. Obviously, that didn't pan out the way that I was expecting because Gus Edwards tore his ACL. Um, So what I would say is any transfers you're making, the deadline again is Thursday of this week. If you are going to make transfers try and hold off as late as you possibly can so that you've got as much information to be able to make those transfers with confidence. You don't want to be leaving yourself in a position where you've already made transfers, someone gets injured in in training or practice, and then you've left yourself either with no transfers or you're taking a hit. Um, For that reason, Mark, I will not be making any transfers just yet. These are just proposed moves for me. So... I mentioned earlier about moving off James Robinson. I am serious. I will be moving on from James Robinson this week. Um, there's a nice yellow box that I've put around Chubb. That's my I'm handiwork. Very impressed. Oh, very yeah, thank impressed. you very much. Um, <laughs> that is my handiwork. Um, but yeah, I've, I've put Chubb in there. For me, Nick Chubb is the is the purest running back in the league for me, Nick Chubb, in how he runs. Um, he's like a running back's running back, almost like cut from the old school cloth. Um, 15 carries last week, 83 yards, two touchdowns. And he also managed to haul in a couple of receptions as well, which you're not including a Nick Chubb in your lineup because you expect him to get a lot of work in the passing game. That is... Kareem Hunt if you're looking for someone like that in that offense but for me 17.5 he was the lead back there last season even though his his actual snap count is usually around the 60% mark he's so efficient with the snaps that he does get Um, and I think if he's going to continue getting the work that he did this past week especially goal line work as well um, 
I'm quite happy to have him in my team. There's a couple of other running backs around that sort of price bracket at 17 mil, 17.5, who I would not mind owning the likes of Joe Mixon, the likes of Swift, um, even David Montgomery, despite the Bears getting spanked by the Rams. I was actually quite quite surprised and impressed almost by David Montgomery. Um, of, of, of anyone who, you know, David Montgomery's had his detractors. He's had his detractors in five-yard rush. Um, he had a good end to last season and he looked like he picked up where he left off against the Rams. We've got a pretty good defense and he was still quite effective against us running the ball. So I would consider that move as well. One thing I do like about Nick Chubb, Mark, and I think this is important when you're looking at a season-long contest, is the games that he's got coming up. So home to the Texans, home to the Bears, on the road to the Vikings, on the road to the Chargers. Texans, despite Jacksonville not really running the ball that much last week, Texans were one of the worst running defences last year. I don't think they've drastically improved that. And I think that's something that Jacksonville didn't exploit last week. Um, as, as for the Chicago Bears, Darrell Henderson didn't look fantastic, but was still able to average 4.4 yards per carry. Um, and Joe Mixon carved up the Vikings' run defense. So for certainly these next few games, I quite like what I see there. And that's one of the reasons why I'm considering getting Nick Chubb in my lineup. Before I move on to my next transfer, Mark, have you any thoughts on Nick Chubb? Well, there's, there's so many great options around that 17 million isn't there? I, you know, you can make a case for Nick Chubb, especially against Houston. You, but you know, Ikea can make a great case for Eckler, for um, because he's getting goal line work as well. And I think actually, I think that game, the Chargers Washington game, actually was quite low scoring. But actually, I think those two teams are going to beat a lot of teams this year. So I suspect that there's more fantasy points to come out of Eckler. Uh, and obviously, you know, we both like Joe Mixon as well. But yeah, Chubb's um. Chubb's fine. I just, I, I had this the same thing last week, and I just got lucky in the fact that I chose Mixon. Is depending on the day of the week, that seventeen or seventeen half million pound running back could be anybody for me. It really is. I'm just, um, I just find that um, I just I think it's I think it's such a great great um, price bracket. I'm just having a look as well. Aaron Jones isn't going to be, he's against Detroit and he's not going to be as bad as he was this week. You know, Najee Harris was on the field for 100% of the snaps, for example. I know the Steelers didn't look particularly good, but they're, you know, they're going to go up against the Raiders next. So, you know, there's another great option. I think Antonio Gibson will do, is going to be uh, a good option this week against the Giants as well, who, you know, just let Melvin Gordon run for seven, you know, gain 20 points on them. So, yeah, I um, I um, I think there's lots of options there. I really do. So I mean, I'm not saying Chubb's a bad option. I'm just saying I'm glad I don't have to make that decision this week. Yeah, and that's <laughs> that's the only thing I think that's holding me back. Other than the fact that we know that injuries can happen in practice, it's it's that I'm that's the way I'm going right now, Mark. Um, if I do decide to go that I'd say I'm probably mm. 70% on Nick Chubb as it stands at the moment, which is why I've included him in 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 this part of, of the the 
you know the the transfer plans, if you will. Um, Five percent as well. Ownership is just fantastic for somebody who could be the rushing leader. Yeah, yeah. My next move is one I don't really want to make, but one that I have to make to facilitate Nick Chubb, and that would be moving on from DeAndre Hopkins, which seems absolutely insane after the week that DeAndre Hopkins has just had. Um, But there is a little bit of method there in my madness mark. I feel like having DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray week one, we said that we weren't really going to stack. I feel like that did work in week one. Um, However, I did say to you that I would probably be off DeAndre Hopkins come week four because he's then got the Rams on the road, the Niners at home, and then the Browns on the road. Um, He's got the Vikings this week, and I suspect that we're going to get another good score from DeAndre Hopkins. Um, The only reason I've, I've removed DeAndre Hopkins is... I'm probably slightly more confident in Stefan Diggs this week, if I'm honest. Um, I think Diggs was targeted more of the two. And Diggs is on the road at Miami, uh, who do have a pretty good secondary. But New England with makeshift receivers, an offense that's basically spur parts that's been glued together this, this season was seemingly able to carve through Miami's defense at times. Josh Allen's a better quarterback than Mac Jones. Um, Stefan Diggs is better than anything that Miami came up against last week. So I think for me, it's more if I'm looking at Diggs still put up a respectable score, but he's capable of a lot more. The following week, he has the Washington football team at home and then he has the Houston Texans at home. So I'm expecting big scores from Stefan Diggs over the next few weeks. So it's with a heavy heart that if I had to get rid of someone, it would unfortunately have to be Hopkins. Twofold, Mark, as I said to you, he'd probably be gone by week four for me anyway. Um, And the second one is I don't want to keep the stack for too long if I'm going to make these moves because I'm conscious that I'm going to have to contend with bye weeks at some point as well. And I don't like the idea of pre-planning transfers in for that. Um, If it's something where I can move off a Hopkins and potentially move on to him again at some point in the season when I I like his schedule clearing up a little bit more, then then that's what I will do. But he is is a, a necessary casualty to rid my team of the James Robinson disease, unfortunately. Tough decision, isn't it? And I think... um this is symptomatic of the decisions we're all going to have to make at some point during the during the season. The thing about Antonio Brown is, I think I said it in the five-yard rush WhatsApp and, and stuff, I'm not... I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being the best out of all the receivers in Tampa Bay. Fantasy-wise. That, that's what's cushioning the loss a little bit for me. So if I was taking out uh, DeAndre Hopkins, um, the fact that I'm bringing in an Antonio Brown... Um, I was against what you were saying, Mark. Um, I didn't think he would be one of the top receivers there, but he did look like the Antonio Brown of old, um, you know, what we saw against Dallas. And that's a good team in Dallas who they've come up against there as well. Um, 
so yeah, that that's it, it does cushion the blow a little bit for me. I really don't want to lose DeAndre Hopkins, but unfortunately, these are the kind of moves that you've got to make to be able to facilitate other players in the lineup. It is it is what it is, kind of thing. And the books are on the road to the Falcons this week, and I think if I was to make a move and it's going to pay off within a week, um, I think it, it's it's going to pay off in in that way. I don't think the Falcons are anything to worry about there. No, I think um, the other thing inside of this as well is as much as we it sounded like we were sort of dissing running backs, you can't go much lower than 17 or 16 and a half for your running backs, really, if, if you want a couple of decent ones. Even even on my Game Week 2 team where I'm sort of not prioritising it, prioritising it, it still was it 17 million or whatever is the lowest price. So, you know, you can't avoid it. You know, you still need to have... You just because of the way the pricing is on fan team, you just need to have spend spend some money on it. Yeah, and and I don't think I think DeAndre Swift at sixteen is kind of the lowest. Yeah, definitely hundred percent. It's the lowest you would go for a sort of a, a starting running back for want of a better phrase. Everything below that is a bit more timeshare or a RB two for a team. So yeah, so you can't really avoid that, and you can't buy everybody. So yeah, but I think I think Brown is a great option. Yeah. Really Other than that, I'm quite happy with the lineup next week, Mark. Um, I know one of the questions we've had from Rich at Dynasty Island has said, any thoughts to moving off Callaway? Um, like, like we mentioned earlier in the pod, Mark, I'm, I'm happy to give him another week, even though he disappointed in week one. I'm more than happy to give him another week against Carolina, see how things go there. And if all else fails, one thing that I really like about this format is you get them two free transfers every game week. So if it then came to moving off Callaway next week, it could be a case of, do I downgrade a Christian McCaffrey slightly? Does Debo Samuel stay fit and healthy for another week? Does he come into my thoughts? You know, there's, there's, there's receivers down there at that 15 million bracket. Um, you know, 15, 16 million, where I could downgrade McCaffrey to still a very good running back and manage to upgrade Callaway to a receiver who I might have a little bit more confidence in going forward. So then two transfers are really going to help me out there. Um, But in answer to your question, Rich, um, I'm certainly not moving off Callaway this week, I don't think. I'll give him this week. Um, But there's got to be a performance this week. Yeah, I agree. He's on a short leash, but yeah, I think I think so. I'm also interested if Traquan Smith comes back as well. I think beforehand, actually, Richard and me had a brief discussion beforehand about this. I think I was always more tempted to play Traquan if he was a, if he was fit, just as much for as an ownership thing. But um, yeah, he's. Um, I think I think you give him one more week if you've got him in there, but no more than that. So you don't. Um, I've got a question from um, from the Fanting Discord from Marmalade Forest, which I doubt is his christening name, but um, he says, <laughs> does, <laughs> does does Mostert being injured make Kittle or another 49ers running back wide receiver more tempting? Hmm. I don't I think mean, I don't think I don't think Kittle Kittle wasn't great. Week one, was he? And I know Debo Samuel took most of the receiving yards from everybody. 
Um, but Kittle is a very, Kittle's a bit of a boom and bust player as well, I think. Um, at the tight end position, so I think there's there's two thing there's two players in the San Francisco offense. Um, when you look at the next gen stats, they they always rank highly on on yards after catch, and that's Debo Samuel and George Kittle. So even though Kittle didn't have a big week receiving wise when you compare him with Debo Samuel, um, 78 yards for receptions is probably still the upper echelon of most tight ends most weeks. And you're going to get your weeks from Kittle where he will go off for 100 plus yards. He's going to get his touchdowns. Does it make anyone else more appealing? I'm, I like the appeal of Debo Samuel. Um, I really like the appeal of Brandon Ayuk, but where was Brandon Ayuk on Sunday? Uh, was he carrying a knock? I mean, no, no, no targets. What happened? <laughs> it was um, what, it was such a surprise because he's he's one of those players in the off season who's been sort of pumped up, hasn't he, in the fantasy circles? And Debo Samuel kind of got forgotten about a bit. Yeah, and yeah, I just. It's, yeah, I think Kittle and Samuel are probably at the moment the only two options. You don't don't think anybody wants to touch the running back situation at the moment. You just don't know what's going to be happening there. It changes. I'm sure it changes from week to week as well. It was Elijah Mitchell this week, but might not be next week. Uh, Shanahan seems to put a lot of um, what's the word um, sort of um, sort of weight and credence into how practice goes and things like that. So maybe more so than some other coaches. So. Yeah, I just um, I'm I'm not a big Kittle fan for fantasy. I think he's a great player to watch in real life, as it were. But I'm not a great fantasy fan of Kittle. So, and he is the second most expensive tight end in here. So, yeah, I think the thing with Kittle is he probably is the best tight end in the league because he can do both very well. He's a good receiving tight end. He's a very good blocking tight end. Um, but he, I'm with you, Mark. He's Probably it's still top three for tight end because it's a shallow position. But I would be more inclined, if I'm spending that money, to just jump on Darren Waller, who we know is wide receiver one in in um, Las Vegas. In terms of the running backs, you look down the list of running backs in San Francisco, Elijah Mitchell, Jermichael Hasty. Um, obviously, we know most that now is, is out for this season. Trey Sermon. And Jeff Wilson. And you look at some of those names, Jermichael Hasty, Jeff Wilson, we know those names from last season. They do pop up. They do grab touchdowns. They will have big weeks. We don't know when those weeks are going to be. I'm sure Elijah Mitchell will have another week where he's the lead back. We don't know when that week's going to be. Trey Sermon, he might decide to put his pads on this week. He might get given the nod. So, You've got to factor that in as well. I don't think most that going down makes any of the San Francisco running backs any more appealing than they already were or weren't, as it were, because we know it's a committee backfield all the time in San Francisco. So it's almost next man up. Um, if most that goes down, they'll give it to the hot hand. It just so happens the hot hand this week was Elijah Mitchell. So, yeah, for me, it just increases the appeal of Debo Samuel, who we know has had his injury history 
problems in the past. If he stays healthy, I think at 15 mil, because of the fact that he's a massive yards after catch receiver, and because he does also factor in the backfield as well on some sweeps and things like that, I think he's definitely a really good price at 15. Um, Kittle, we've already covered that. And for me, Mark, the other th- the other thing I've got me on, Trent, Trent Sheffield at 6.5. Trent yeah. Sheffield, 6.5. Yeah. Um, I think if, if you're going to keep an enabler in your team, the likes of a Tyson Williams or a Quez Watkins, uh, you know, if, if he's going to churn out 10 points for you every week, man, I'll take that at 6.5. Uh, I've definitely got, I mean, he only had two receptions for 23 yards and a touchdown, but I think that's a wait and see really on the San Francisco offense. Yeah. He was, um, he was on the field as so much as he was on the same field. I mean, as much as Brandon Ayuk, and he also also more than um, Mohamed Sanu. So, yeah, he seems to be trending the other the right way. I just, there's something about these Shanahan offices over fantasy, which just don't seem to go together, do they? Because week to week is so different. A little bit like it's Bill Belichick. Variable. Yeah, it's a little so bit variable. like Bill Belichick and his running backs. And I think that you can use that to your advantage on, you know, regular weekly um, DFS. But for a contest like this, I just think there's better options. I mean, Mostert hadn't got injured. He would have been a perfect uh, pivot from um, James Robinson because they're both the same price. But that whole that is a dead zone now. That is a dead zone from sixteen million downwards. So um, I was yeah. I was going to say if you're moving off Mostert, a, a, a prime candidate to take up the the role in your team uh, is James Robinson at fourteen mil. Yeah, no, no, no exactly, and. Um, I mean, it really is, you know. I mean, I suppose the best option, Damien Harris looked pretty good on the eye. Um, you know, he only got 11 points, but he's about it there, really. Yeah, it's... Um, the other one is Mike Davis didn't do anything for Atlanta, but he was on the field from almost every snap, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, 75% of the snap. So he's um, he's not running there. But yeah, he really is a dead zone. Yeah. He really is. So yeah, yeah, that was a great question. Was there any other questions, Mark? Or does that round no, us off nicely? I think that's I think that's all of our questions. Thanks very much. Um, there is one thing I wanted to just bring your attention to before we do sign off, Mark. So, if anyone listened to the the first pod that we did last week, and in fact the strategy pod, we did not have a sign off tagline. Now, I have had a suggestion from Five Yards' own Andy Pitts, Pitsy. Um, I'm looking forward to this because I don't know what this is. Nick hasn't. Nick's just told me it's going to be great. He hasn't told me what no, it is. It is awful. It is too <laughs> cheesy. It is dreadful. But he claims it is a winner. So, before we sign this pod off with Pitsy's words of wisdom (laughs) hit us up on the socials remember your team will lock on thursday evening you can find me at nick of wigan you can find mark at underscore smrf and you can find us both at five yard rush any questions you have any comments we will be interacting with people before the deadline and thereafter anything that you want to add mark before i sign this off 
I mean, you know, we, we really love your questions. We had really great um, interactions and sort of um, chats with people after last week's pod, which is fantastic. And yeah, just 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 keep asking. Anything we do, we can't, you know, we can't predict the future. Also, that about fantasy sports, we can't predict the future. But you know, we've been doing this stuff for a long time, and um, yeah. And also, we actually had a tweet today from somebody who listened to our pod last week. Was said he wasn't really big into NFL, and now and outscored us last week. So, from listening to our pod, so that's nice stroke annoying so yeah <laughs> <laughs> that might be a, a typical example of us not heeding our own advice mark and just uh just, just going against our better natures but yeah if we do manage to help anyone in any any way with this you know it is new to us as well this contest but like you said mark we've got a lot of experience in talking fancy nfl playing dfs so if we're able to help anyone at all fantastic hit us up on twitter get your questions in we will be back the same time next week drum roll to sign the show off <laughs> oh dear me yeah, go on you can do it believe me if anyone has any better suggestions please fire them over <laughs> because i'm not sure this one's going to stick but courtesy of pitsy five yards on pitsy don't just be a fan of your team create a fan team no words we will see you again next week HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.